Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. I want to invite Pastor Carol to come up. Pastor Carol Fiddler oversees our discipleship and our life groups. Would you please welcome her? Uh, And she has a lot to share with us tonight. She'll be running much of the night. So uh, we're so excited to have her doing that. You know what I was saying this week to the staff? Empower kind of is Pastor Carol. (laughs) Pastor Carol is Empower. She is it. So here you go. Uh, Yeah, Empower. Yeah. Hey, welcome everybody that's here and online. It's kind of bright up here, but uh, it's so good to see everybody. Thank you for being patient. We needed to postpone a week just because of life right now, right? It's just, we have to just be flexible. But um, this is just one of the two times a year where we really celebrate uh, our ministry teams, people involved in ministry, and we want to just invite everybody to get in on board in this amazing adventure called Serving Jesus. I was reading in the end of Matthew today and talking about Jesus reminding his disciples, there's a day coming where you're going to be rewarded for everything that you do. And, he, and the disciples are like, well, when did we ever do this or do that? And he said, whenever you did it for the least of them, you did it unto me. I guarantee a lot of you that have been faithfully serving Jesus over the years, you're just going to be blown away when you stand, you know, before him. And some of us, if I think about you and yeah, we're all going to be waiting a long time for you to get your rewards. It's just going to be over and over. But Jesus notices there's nothing like serving God and his kingdom and being part of the game. And, you know, if you've been here for a while, you've heard on a Sunday, ministry team, come forward. My goal is that, if you've heard this before, that every single person that's in the stands will come forward and be that minister, and just the few that don't know Jesus yet would be still sitting in their seats, because every member is a minister. You have something to give. Whether you think it's big or small, Jesus thinks it's huge, you're on, you're on mission with him, and what a privilege to get to do it together in, in church family. So I'm going to invite our 14 different ministry team leaders to come up forward, and I'm just going to briefly explain who they are and come on up and uh, just some exciting things that are going on in these various ministry teams. So um, let's, let's see the first uh, slide the, of the ministry team, Ron, not the other one. Okay. There's Pastor JT. So Pastor JT, you know, he oversees our men's ministry. But he's, uh, <laughs> he is empowering men to have small groups. They have so many things that are um, just building up our men. I'm so proud of uh, JT and everything you've done to just empower and disciple men. What a needed ministry um, at this time. So thank you for that. Lady Lowe, come on up here. Women's ministry team. 
If you know Lady Lowe, she is passionate about every woman in this, in this building and every person that, every woman that attends special. She's got an amazing team of women that help her put on the events. We've got the uh, well-balanced call um, Monday, next Monday. So, on, online. Yeah. And so she is passionate about building you up, making you strong in your faith. And so as you're seeing these things, if something really sticks out to you, go and talk to them afterwards. How can I get involved? They would love to help you do that. Next is singles ministry. Are, do we? Oh, here they are over here. If you haven't met Daisha or Frasia, please go out of your way to me. They are amazing. And what they've done to build up the singles community in Bethel is, um, is just incredible. They have regular... Uh, Second Tuesday of the month, touch point, fourth Thursday of the month, they have an event. They go out to eat once a month after church. If you'd like to get involved in helping them build up our very, very vital singles community, please reach out to them. They would love to connect with you. Thank you. Our marriage mentoring team, our Pastor Joe, I don't know if Pastor Joe and Steph, they're probably online. Um, we just have an amazing group of couples that are involved with premarital mentoring. Um, they're involved with uh, any, when marriages are going through tough times, leading uh, couples' life groups to build up and strengthen marriages. If you are interested in helping with this very, very important ministry, please reach out to them. And we do have a special Valentine's event coming up in February, so please be looking out for that. So thank you, everybody that's on the marriage mentoring team. I know you're see some of you here. Pastor Bruce. <laughs> so Bruce has been very instrumental and Christian. She's uh, amazing. They're passionate about training up leaders. They, uh, and they've put such great programs in place. The one that we call BLI is now called, in our Every Nation World, Leadership 215, and there are over 3,000 students worldwide in cohorts getting trained up to know the word, to be strong in their faith, and to um, become leaders all over the globe. So his team is comprised of the teachers involved with that, and if you have a passion for that, please talk to them about that. We've just started our Bethel School of Discipleship again, and our Bethel Leadership Institute, and anybody that's taken it, you know it's life-changing. It really is. So we have, next is our worship team. <laughs> yeah. So the worship team have a really great community, and it's a little different in their community because part of being, they have a lot of time that they put in together, and so they've really worked hard on how to bring discipleship in, not just singing together. So they've uh, um, created small groups where people can talk and pray, and everything's not back to normal yet because of COVID, but... But they are passionate about helping people stay healthy and strong and caring for them. And so you might be singing in the, in, uh, the choir, but you want, you want to get a little more involved. You can help lead some of those discussions and say, hey, Kristen and Pastor Will, I'd love to get more involved. So please talk to her if you'd like to help with the worship ministry team. Our prayer ministry team, I think Lisa's still out. She. I, you're probably online, Lisa. Hey, 
Uh, if you know Lisa, she's passionate, and it's just been a real blessing to watch our prayer ministry grow over this, this past year with those 6 a.m. prayer meetings, our prayer and fasting. It's been an amazing time, and so uh, if you want to really help intercede for maybe all the things that are going on, the outreaches, they pray on Sunday mornings during the sermon, please reach out to Lisa um, for that. B-Kids, now look who's up there, Pastor Delvin. This might be a surprise, but um, there's, uh, uh, Pastor Delvin is not only our camp, you're going to see his face again in a second, but he is really uh, taking the mantle to be our next-gen pastor. As you know, Pastor Steve Cherical, he's, uh, trash, he's very involved in the community, and he's transitioned to really be in point there. So Pastor Delvin is going to help build up our um, children's uh, not, just, not that they just serve, but they're connecting in life groups, and they're growing, and they're being discipled. So that's great. Bethel Youth, that's Zoe. I'm feeling she's probably still, oh, she's with the youth. There you go. But they just had a powerful, powerful time of um, camp. Yes. Do you want to share a couple things about that, Pastor Delman, just some highlights? Oh, yeah. Uh it, it was a tremendous time. Uh, if, if you were here Sunday, I mentioned it, but just uh, this Sunday, you'll hear more. It's Next Gen Sunday. Uh, but we had uh, over 130 students. Uh, many gave their lives to Christ. I was there on Saturday night, and it was just, it was tremendous. a powerful moment. People meeting God for the first time. Um, and, and so we, we're already getting testimonies. They're upstairs right now worshiping the Lord. Uh, many of them are just, just renewed in their faith. So it's been great. Love it. So great. All right. Uh, there he is again on the other side. That's good. They kind of broke it up. And uh, we're going to hear a testimony from Akin here in a little bit of what's going on in our campus ministry. But if you have a heart for the next generation, please talk to Pastor Delvin, whether it's discipling children, um, youth, or college. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to Patty uh, DiVincenzo who is starting a kid's BSD again. She did it last year. We had so many young people go through it. And people, other churches are like, what are you guys doing? It's been a real amazing um, blessing to just train our children when they're very young. So they're getting a kid-sized Bethel School discipleship, which is amazing. Festival of the Nations. Uh, Pastor Jerry, unfortunately, he's still out, but... Um, if you know Pastor Jerry, he's passionate about outreach. He's passionate about international. So if you have that heart, please reach out to him. There's so many ways you can get involved in practical outreach to the um, refugees, apartment complexes, and putting on special events. He would love to have more people join him with that. And momentum. Uh, that's Drew and Blythe. I don't think, Drew, are they? No, I don't think they can make it tonight, but... How, it was, is that like your grand entrance? It's like you knew this was your time? I love it. That's, that's, that's pretty perfect. There's just drama right there. But thank you, Drew and Blythe, for all you guys. They're tireless in wanting to provide discipleship for our Bethel family in the area of money, putting, to, putting, you know, putting God first, getting out of death, getting free to serve, correct? And do, do you have one starting? Has it started already? 
Tomorrow night, we have our uh, financial peace class starting again, if you want to know more. And then, if you want to get involved in being a facilitator and discipling people in their money, if you're passionate about that, please talk to Drew. Guest services. Where'd she go? There she is. LJ is amazing. And she has captured the heart of discipleship um, beyond, uh, thank you. I know so many of you serve with LJ. Thank you for that. And, but she really cares about you as a person too. And I know you, she calls you and meets you and she's creating small groups. And, um, especially when we get that future fellowship hall, the fellowship hall done, man, you can just see how that's just going to grow. Just you greet together, go in there. How's your life? How's your family? How's your faith? And just do life together. That's our dream. And it's almost here. Um, and then Pastor Philip with the Connect class. He's been so faithful in watching over that membership ministry. And if you want to be involved with that, when we have large classes, we break them up into groups and we have discussion leaders to help facilitate the whole two-class process. And, he, and it just it, it, people are coming from all different um, they're, maybe they know the Lord, maybe they don't know the Lord, or they're just joining the church. It's a great way to help disciple people right when they're coming in the doors of Bethel. I think that's it. Well, thank you, everybody. And again, yeah, they're not, don't, don't, don't leave. Um, you, these two, you guys, yeah. Um, you didn't see these awesome people up on the screen, but since this past year, um, we... Did that sound bad? Or oh no, she's laughing. I thought she's laughing at me. Never mind. <laughs> we uh, have some faithful, faithful people, Sheila and Jeffrey and Charas, who can't be here tonight. They have started. It's a na nationwide group called Grief Share, and it is such a needed ministry at this time, always. But just. The way things have been going, it's a wonderful course. That they, This will be their fourth time going through it, just helping people in the, some of the most painful time of their life. And it's so scripture-based, and they're so passionate about it. But they would love to have more people be involved with them. If you have a passion, maybe you've, you've experienced God's healing in losing a loved one, please, please talk to them. They're going to start their next session on February 15th. And so if you try to catch them here, if you can, um, and um, talk to them about it, because it's so, so important. Thank you, Sheila and Jeffrey. You can sit down. <laughs> One more ministry that I, want, I just want everybody to be aware of uh, is primetime. Is Dr. Ethelene Eth here or um, Miranda? I don't think so. But so I will call Sally, if you don't mind coming up here. We have, a grand, we have a wonderful group called Prime Time. If you're under 55, you've never heard of it because you weren't invited, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, we have a thriving group of 55-plus um, people, which I might be a part of that, but that's okay. Um, and the purpose of it is... Um, just to provide community. It's kind of like we have a youth group, we have a college group, just same season of life. You get it, one another. It's not like you don't mix other times, but 
unfortunately, right now, it's a little bit on pause. But if you would like to know more, you can talk with Sally here. Just raise your hand. Yeah. Alice, Alice sorry. I knew I got that wrong in my head. I'm sorry. Um, Alice will be glad to explain to you what we're doing. And um, uh, just as, you know, once everything's kind of back to normal, we have a wonderful, wonderful ministry called Primetime. So, all right. Well, I have a question and I have gifts. And um, my first question, and you can't answer if you're a ministry team leader or on staff, but anybody else can answer this question. Our discipleship process at Bethel is there's four words, and they all start with the letter E. It's how we help someone. Uh, Pastor James, you would be on staff. Like, yeah, I, okay, okay. No, you can't have this card. So if you think you might know those four, okay, I see that hand, Amanda. Can someone give Amanda a... Uh, And uh, there is an order, but I know you went to the Bethel School of a Disciple. Like, think about the, okay. you know, the order. I don't know if I know the exact order. But okay, just give it a try. Engage, uh-huh. establish, empower, and now I forgot the last one. There's one right before that word. You, you do something. Oh, I'm trying to pantomime. Uh, you're close. It starts. Engage. Oh, equip. Ah, yes. Engage. <laughs> Establish. <laughs> Very good. I've got a gift card for you, sister. You want Chick-fil-A or Starbucks? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, let's put those four E's up on the screen because... Um, it's just very simple. What do we do if we want to reach out and be a difference in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our world? We just want to engage people. We want to get to know people. Every human being is created by God and is a treasure, just waiting for someone to talk to them and show the love of God to them. And when they become a believer, we want to make sure they have a strong foundation so that that conviction that they had is, I want to serve God. They learn how to have their faith grounded about water baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the importance of reading the word. We want to establish them in the faith. Then next, as they are getting grounded, we want them to grow up and be able to help other people. So we equip them. And we have so many tools through Equip, the Bethel School Discipleship, the, um, the B1 Discipleship Training, and for the purpose of empowering someone to minister. And so that's, uh, that's the, uh, what we call the four E's. And um, I have a few testimonies. I don't see Akin. It's, oh, there you are. <laughs> All right. First, I'm going to ask Akin to come on up. He has a powerful testimony from college ministry. Hi, everyone. My name is Akin, if we haven't met. So I'm on staff here at Bethel with Every Nation Campus, our campus ministry uh, that serves our college students. And 
I'm specifically mostly at Vanderbilt and Belmont University. And so it's been a very interesting year. You know, COVID's impacted college students in a very unique way where uh, a lot of the student events and gatherings have been, you know, kind of put on pause into a certain time. And so just this last semester was the first time that we've been able to do life groups in person uh, for basically a year. So it's been cool to see God move in those ways. But a specific story that, you know, I would like to just share with you guys to encourage you of the power of life groups and what God's been doing through them. So we started one of our first co-ed life groups at Vanderbilt uh, over this past semester. And so um, one of the girls that's in my life group, she had a friend that came in from out of town that's, um, I think he was like touring different Nashville schools because he's um, starting school soon. And so he was following her around Vanderbilt and she was showing him around and she just happened to have life group, you know, the same day that he was here. So uh, she invited him out, he came and sat with us and um, we were going through the purple book and I showed him the purple book and said like, hey, I know you're a guest and you know, you're not required to do anything, but would you like to follow along with what we're doing here um, in life group? And he said, you know, I'm not really like into that whole Christian stuff, you know, I'll just like sit back and watch. So it's like, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, we'll just continue on with the study. And so he just sat back and kind of observed throughout the whole, the whole hour. And very interestingly, that week, the topic of discussion was the church and spiritual family. I think it's like chapter seven in the Purple Book, but church and spiritual family. It was very interesting because um, we had this whole discussion about, you know, what do you do when you've been hurt by the church? You know, how do you recover from that? You know, why is the church so vital to the life of a believer? We we're having this really deep discussion that everyone was getting into. And of course, like um, my life group member's friend is just sitting back and like, observing it the whole time, you know, just watching from the sidelines. Um, and so we end life group, it's an hour long, we pray together, you know, we say bye. And then later that night, um, the girl in my life group texts me, hey, my friend just opened up to me and said that he loved our discussion and that he wanted to get involved in church again uh, after not being involved in church at all for years. And so recently he, I believe he transferred to MTSU. And so I got him connected with our campus missionary there and he visited Bethel twice last semester uh, and just this past Sunday. So God's doing a work in his heart. He's like, he, it's like, he's still not sure what's going on, but he's like, there's something here that I need. You know, uh, I told this story to Pastor Delvin, you know, when it happened last semester. And Pastor Delvin just reminded me, like, the enemy likes to taunt us and make us think like, oh, all these Bible studies and life groups that you guys do, like, they don't really matter. They don't make a difference. Like, nobody cares about them. But it's like, it's that one week or that one moment where you least expect it, where somebody to come out from out of the blue to get radically impacted by discussion of the gospel and of God. And now his life is on a different trajectory just because we showed up, you know, to talk about the word together. So just to encourage you, um, you know, these life groups that you're a part of, they matter. You know, they seem simple, one hour a week, you know, just discussions on the Bible, but like, God, God can move those, through those, you know, his word is powerful and it won't return void as he promises. So, amen. Thank you. That's so awesome, Akin. Okay, so my question now, and a gift card might be involved, um, is if you were to pick one of the four E's, engage, establish, equip, empower, uh, in this scenario with this young man that came to the Bible study, which one do you think would be kind of the most prominent of the four E's? Yes, but you can't win this. Okay. 
Somebody raise their hand and say engage. Now you can't get two, man. <laughs> okay, right here. Yes, you win. You're a winner. I was going to say engage. I know you were going to sing. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. Do you want Chick-fil-A or Starbucks? Uh, Starbucks. Okay, that's the popular Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, that, yeah, I mean, you could say equip, estab, equipping. He was establishing the believers. He's equipping. He's showing them how to minister. But for that young person that was far away from church, he was engaged in a kind and, you know, he didn't feel out of place. Uh, so kudos to you, Akin, for that. So, um, Pastor Will, are you ready to give your testimony? Or Kristen, or both? Come on. Yes, we've had an incredible year. Good to see your faces. Um, what we did starting last, the beginning of last year, is we, uh, the music department decided we wanted to pour, decided we wanted to. No, we did our mandate. Where, where is it at? Discipleship. We really went up there and we discipled the worship team. And they started off with, uh, how many was that, Kristen, about? It was like two or three left that were still hanging on doing worship every week. And then in, within about 90 days, it, it grew up to like, 30 kids that were a part of that department. And they sang more times last year than the whole entire year. But what we really poured in, into them is the, what worship really means. I think about an iceberg. And when you look at an iceberg, you have the, the part that you see which is on top. And that's really 10% of what the iceberg really is. There's a whole 90% that's underneath that you can't see. So we, what we dealt with is the 90%, which is the heart, which is the core. Then what people will see is the result of what the core is carrying and what the result of what the core has in it. So we just really put that in their hearts and we've watched them grow. We watched them just lead worship and take the reins. And it's not just so they can just be good up there and be good in front of their friends. It's so we can set them up to come here, set them up to go there. And so that's what we're doing. So there's, there's no, it won't be a drop off when, it, when I get too old and I'm, y'all carrying me to the keyboard through, through that little wheelchair thing. Get up there, Pastor Will. But there will be a great transition that will happen. And we're going to start this year. We're going to intermingle them more even with us. So it's just been a great time of discipling and going forward and empowering. Thank you. Yes, that's awesome. Because, I mean, have you been impressed with the teenagers? I, there's no way I could have done that when I was their age. And, but I just wanted to underscore that didn't just happen by chance. That was intentional, week after week, pouring in, pouring in. And if you were to pick one of the E's for that story, which engage, establish, equip, or empower, which one would you pick, maybe? Equip. Come on up and get your card. Yes. Equipping them to minister. Yes. And then um, Amanda, the winner, you're not going to get another card, but can you come and tell your story? You want Chick-fil-A? Starbucks? Okay, Amanda. Woohoo! Thank you. Um, so I've been spending a lot more time up here than I ever thought I would. Um, <laughs> but I have to say that that definitely comes from BSD. And honestly, I haven't been in a life group 
but I've considered Wednesday morning prayers my life group because they did all of that. They empowered me, they equipped me, they established me um, in a lot of ways that I never saw myself. And I just started coming to Bethel last Easter. And to be honest, before I came here, I just, I stayed in that condemnation because I went to church and I was faithful to it, but I always felt like I'm not as happy as them or okay, I'm still sinning and they're not, and I just felt really down. And then when I started going to BSD and I learned about the four E's and they said a few things and one that really got me was even if you're one verse ahead of someone else, you're equipped because you know. And then if you, then I learned from the prayer meetings that if you just hold on to the Holy Spirit, he will help you. So in the last year, I went from like inviting people to church and them coming here and there to this year, I got to see one of my friends be baptized here. Um, and now people, a lot of friends who are believers but not really coming to church, they're calling me and asking me to pray with them or pray for them. And these are all things that sometimes I'm still like, wait, are you sure, God? Like, that's not me. Like, but that's the great thing about him and about Bethel is they really teach you who you are in God's eyes. So I just want to encourage everyone, if you're not in a life group, to be in one or serve on a team because in my opinion, it's kind of the same. Like as long as you're with the fellowship, you're going to get there. And I heard something the other day. I'm sorry, I don't remember what pastor it was, but they said, any locked door that you need to get through either has a key or someone needs to let you in. So basically the only way you're gonna get where God wants you is with someone else's help because iron sharpens iron. So I just encourage you to find some iron and sharpen yourselves. All right. Wait, Amanda, I have a question. So I understand you helped with the false study after you, you just got in the game and you helped lead a discussion table, is that right? I did. And, and I understand that you're going to, like, um, put a table out at the life group fair, and you're going to do what? Yes, yeah, so I'm starting my first life group on uh, this Sunday. I will be in the mall way, so if you'd like to be a part of my life group, look for my table. Awesome. So uh, just what a beautiful story of just how she has grown up here. And if you were to say one of the four E's, for a man who's about to start a life group, engage, establish, equip, empower. Who said that? Come on up, sister. You get a card, empower, that's right. It just takes a hungry heart, it takes faith, and then look what God does. Good for you, Amanda. Which one, Starbucks or Chick-fil-A? Food, food, food. food. <laughs> She's like, uh, prayer and fasting was a couple weeks ago. I'm ready to eat. All right, I'm going to ask Pastor Dave and Pastor James to come on up. Let's give them a big hand. Do you need that? Come on, give it up for Pastor Carol. Did she do a great job? Okay, so, so I'm already uh, going to start. Uh, talking to you because we're going to get you out on time. I want to first of all say thank you so much for being leaders in Bethel. 
If you haven't been told this lately, our church actually doesn't function without you. It takes hundreds of volunteers plus the staff to make church services go, but beyond that, to make discipleship go, to reach the city, to touch the world. Do you know that, I know this might come to a surprise for you, but uh, if you don't do what you do, we might not be where we are. So I'm so grateful. Don't think it a small thing. So I thought, Amanda, you were just describing your life as somebody almost getting started. But I thought, I, I thought your, your life was gonna be so fruitful because you actually have done the work to have something to say. Many of you have gone through BSD and BLI, and we wanna thank you for e getting equipped so you can be strong when you deliver the word. Let me remind us who we are. Uh, Dave and I, I just wanna tell you devotion. This is, this is why we exist. Put my little slide up there. This is, this is, this is why we exist. To honor God by trusting his word, praying, and worship together. You and I should be word people. When, the, when you encounter the world, your answer should be Bible verses. When you encounter people who are unbelievers, it should be Bible verses that are not stated as Bible verses, but it might come out as principles that allow you to engage somebody. We are people who are always praying and always interacting with the Lord, but I like this other thing that we're devoted to. We're devoted to prayer, we're devoted to the word, but we're also devoted to worshiping together. And I'm gonna tell you, what makes the church special is it being a community of believers. You might get mad at each other, but we, we still stay devoted. You might be disappointed, but you stay devoted. Everything I need is in this house. Pastor Dave, you've been here now for you know, seven months, uh, you've seen this D in operation. Give me some ways you've seen it in operation in the church, in your life, and what it's meant to you. Sure. Well, uh, you know, Amanda mentioned that that 6 a.m. prayer time, you know, this is uh, after I was sick for a little bit and tired, and, you know, somebody in my family was telling me even this, this morning, or actually last night, don't go, don't go tomorrow morning. You just, just get a little extra rest. But I said, I want to go. That's, I, I'm ready to be back. I put my clothes out on the floor, outside the door, and nobody else is up. I want to get up. I enjoy that time because there is a whole community. It's, it's really, you know, those of you who've been at Wednesday morning prayers, I call you Gideon's Army. It's, it's, this, it's this small gathering of people that's doing great work. We're battling together for the, the work of the kingdom. And I know that not everybody can be there at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. There's work schedules. There's family things. Please don't hear me the wrong way. It's not like there's some central core. They're the special ones or anything. No, they're the ones that can be there. But that's one of the aspects, that devotedness to focus and prayer. The prayer and fasting time was so powerful. Wasn't it powerful? And uh, just in my own life, I, 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 two people I've been interacting with, a healing and a salvation. Uh, and the salvation happened, uh, actually it was my daughter who was interacting with, uh, happened right before death. It was on the deathbed. It was the last night uh, of prayer and fasting that led to a salvation experience of an 18-year-old boy who was on his deathbed. And just praising God for that. But then the, the funeral came and uh, Pastor Fikri, who used to be a member of this church, planted the Church of La Casa here in town, went, uh, had connected with him and did the funeral. 
And he sent a text right afterwards talking about how many had given their lives to Christ at the funeral, just overcome with the testimony of the young man and Fikri's presentation. The guy was just like, just want to just, just smack the ceiling, wanted to jump up and smack the ceiling. But that devotedness to fasting and prayer led to that fruit. And then, of course, this joyful thing we're doing with being devoted to the word. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely loving this um, consideration Pastor Rice gave us, and I'm calling a challenge. Our family's going into it, and sometimes we're ahead, sometimes we're behind. We're talking about all kinds of things we didn't notice in there before. Uh, I'll hear across the house the Bible being read on the little Bible app, and I know somebody, and then I'll hear on the other side of the house, somebody else has the Bible app at a different place, and they're competing, or me and Holly at night turning the phone up louder over each other, joking back and forth over who gets to hear. Yeah, but uh, you know, one night she had it going, so I just went and laid my head down on her leg and listened while she had it, and I had it right there, just had this sweet moment together in the Word. Uh, but JT, Pastor JT was telling me about a group of his guys. They talked for three hours, supposed to have an hour and a half meeting. Three hours about all the things that they were finding in the Word they didn't even know were in there. So, and that's just fresh, these last couple weeks of our devotion to the Word. So, I mean, I can keep talking. Sorry, I get excited about it. You're doing but it's good, a great church. If it's a, a good of. testimony, you can keep talking. If the testimony was bad, we would have cut you off. But we didn't <laughs> cut you off. It was good. It was great. So, uh, Pastor Dave, we not only have devotion, but our other value is decide, I mean, uh, diversity. And this is how we do life together as a church. I mean, it's, it's, the world is polarized now. You know this. In, in our culture, it's almost shocking when people say black and white things and it's inflammatory or is accusatory or is divisive in, in some way because that's unnatural to us. And it doesn't mean that these troubles aren't real. It just means that we are appealing to something higher than those troubles. And it's got, we're embracing God's heart for every nation. Uh, we just recently had a discussion in a Unite um, Nashville meeting um, that this church helped start to help with ethnic, ethnic reconciliation. But is it ethnic reconciliation or is it racial reconciliation. We had this little discussion and one of the younger people in the room, I believe it was Jacinda, she made this distinction. Said, when I think about the term racial reconciliation, it has an adversarial connotation to it. It already made you think about black and white and, and we're opposed to one another. And instead of being endeared, you have to think about um, how emboldened you are on your particular position and how you're not gonna let somebody impose upon you or do something to you. It's very hostile terminology to say even uh, your racial discrimination or something with race or whatever, it's, it's, just, it's just hostile. But when we just go to a biblical term, like Acts 17, or 26, 17, or 17, 26, I forget which this, 26, it's in the, book of Acts. It's in the Acts. Y'all should know what this, yeah, therefore it is written. Okay, it says, from one blood or one ethnos, he's made every ethnicity of man and gave them their boundaries and their places. He did this that we might seek him. In other words, God has emphasized there's one human race, but there's multiple ethnicities. And when I say we're doing ethnic reconciliation, 
It is more pliable. It's more endearing. You, you want to know about me. You, 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 you want to come together with me. You want to understand something about me. And so even our terminology can cause us either to embrace the world or embrace God's heart for every nation. Embracing God's heart is embracing his word, embracing his will, embracing his way of expressing things even. So as you go throughout your life groups, as you go throughout the church, I'm encouraging you this year, don't embrace the language of the world that brings hostility. I'm not telling you not to use it as a tool as if the world doesn't say ethnic diversity. So you don't have to make somebody uh, a criminal if they say, the word race or racial discrimination or, or black, white, so you don't have to make them a criminal, but it's your opportunity for a discipleship moment to engage them in a conversation about what God has said about these issues. And we at our church don't run from them. And you might say, so how am I supposed to figure it out? Well, you, you keep coming to Sunday, you keep talking about it, and you use Sunday morning to, to see somebody else that doesn't look like you. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Might be about their hair. Or lack thereof. Or lack, yeah. <laughs> yes, Lord. See, only senior saints can say that. He goes to prime timers. <laughs> okay, my time is up. Dave, tell me how you're feeling about our diversity. How has it impacted you? You know, what do you think about it? <laughs> your wife, made, your wife made the prime time. having a hard time coming back, aren't we? Uh, well, just take a second, look around the room at this miracle. I mean, I mean it. Take a second, look around the room at this miracle. Uh, did you notice all night long or did, it just get, did you get used to it? Because you're at a church that has a miracle already happening and you got used to the miracle. Uh, did, did you notice? I mean, so you have uh, an African-American worship leader, white wor- worship leader, Hispanic worship leader, right? Then you have, then you have, you just keep going down the ministry team leaders list and see who's on the screens and then look around the room. This doesn't happen accidentally in a racially divided world. This does not happen in an ethnically divided world. This does not happen automatically. This is, this was a lot of labor by so many of you, right? And it's a, it's a gift from God though, as a miracle with our partnership with him, he does it. Because this is God's heart. We're just walking into God's heart, right? But uh, I love that we have this kind of church. You know, you've heard me say this before because this is a phrase that I've used in other places where people are working towards that kind of work. I say, just walk 30 feet farther. I love this. Stay 30 seconds longer. 30 times. Life in the 30s. <laughs> Life in the 30s. We kind of we passed that now. We're yeah, a little bit. We're living little past bit, that little a lot. Little bit. So, uh, but it takes a little more time. It takes a little more intentionality and it t- takes a few more repetitions to cross over those barriers of difference that we usually just stay behind those barriers, right? But if we'll just walk 30 feet farther than we might normally walk to somebody who's different than us and, and have a conversation that takes that 30 extra seconds to go to that next level, to ask the question, to take the risk, and we'll do it with that person 30 times, <laughs> we will have a friendship. You don't talk to somebody longer than you talk to somebody else and make it an intentional thing happen 30 times without feeling like friendship emerges. But I, I treasure personally, me, I treasure the gift that we have in this church. And I, and I, and I say this often, if, you, if you're around me much, I say, this is a miracle. And whenever there's a miracle, you know, I think about like Lazarus, he was raised back up from the dead. 
Don't you wonder how many times they just looked across the table and said, Lazarus, this is crazy. You're, you're here. You don't stink. I mean, you, the guy, he, he healed your inside and your outside. He raised you up. You smell pleasant. You know, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. So Lazarus or the blind man or the beggar, don't forget the miracle, right? Amen. Yeah, that's Dave, discipleship is, is obviously what we do. We do this. God says, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell not going to But we're called to make disciples. He's going to build this part with or without. This is what we're partnering with him to do. Sometimes people in the church say, well, I'm just here for the worship. I'm just here for the fellowship. When we are devoted to the word, prayer and worship together, you are here to become a disciple and a disciple maker. If the pastors on the front row, if the ministry team leaders don't do the work of equipping you uh, the, the saints to do the work of the ministry. We are actually failing. We should be fired. Like that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to have a bunch of uh, stories. Dave, did you actually, I was thinking to myself, did you actually just appear? You know, did you actually figure out life on your own? Or did somebody have to help you follow Jesus? You know, I, I did not figure it out on my own. I've got a list of people who did the hard work when I was in Knuckleheadville and I wasn't willing to listen and I thought everything I said was correct and somebody's only hope of helping me was to show me what the Bible said. That was it. Because I figured out all the reasons why I could sin and my sin was less egregious than somebody else's. And I was the best sinner I knew. I didn't even call myself a sinner. I used to say I didn't even need the grace of God. That's for the other hardened sinners. You know, God sprinkles me once and I'm fine. It's something in our, our mind until we're confronted with the word. You need somebody to help you follow Jesus. What we're asking you to do is to do for others what was done for you. So let me give you this small little thing. Jesus sent them out two by two in the places that he would go. We want you to be those sent ones who live an apostolic life. And let me show you what it looks like. So Pastor Carol and I and Pastor Bruce and some others came up with this thought early on that a life group is one person with another person in the Bible with the intent to invite another person. <laughs> we gonna count that. Why can't you start a life group? Do you just know one person? And you, do you own a Bible? And if somebody would show up, would you be happy? Well, you got a group. Me and <laughs> yeah, that's key, though. All right, that's key, right? Because just because we got this sitting up here, and there's the two of us here, yeah. and and we say we intend to invite somebody. I have met life groups that they they would say we intend to invite somebody. They really would not be happy, and you get the feeling they would not be happy if somebody new showed up. Because when they, you're in your conversation, because when you're in your conversation at Starbucks, you got that look that says we're in a deep conversation. Like, don't interrupt us. Like, you're not fishing. Yeah, like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't want to do that. You, you, you know the signs. Guess what? The reason you know the signs is because you don't like them, but we can all put them off. So that's, that's, one, that's a life group. But then beyond life groups, you know, that can grow maybe to 12 people, 12 to 15 people, you, you, that, that's good, because then once it gets beyond that, 
you know, it gets a little hinky. And, and I've, I've, I've always called my life groups that had 25 and 50 people in them. I, I've always called them life groups, are really probably not life groups, but Pastor Bryson has been working with us on a new term. That's more of a community group. Because now you got childcare. I mean, like hardcore childcare. You know, you got as many people in your basement as you got upstairs. You knew, that's a small church you got in most of the world. Like, you know, that, that, that's a community group. And then when you get bounced to community group, you know, we kind of got departments. Their, their departments are designed to hold that over a hundred number. And, and that's, but that's for the people who are staying here. But when your community group grows to a hundred or so out in the community, they say Spring Hill, well, that's when we start another campus or start another church. Because now we know we can build a viable community there. So I want you to know, we're, our discipleship is not limited. Life groups only help you facilitate discipleship. Community groups only help you facilitate discipleship. Departments and church planning only help you facilitate discipleship. Even this big church service is helping you facilitate discipleship. So your end game if you just got two people going to an area to get you a third one, get you get up to 12. That's where you want to get to. And if you're already at the 12 and you're growing in your leadership and you really become an attraction or you got another partner and y'all two together got 25 and 30 people, woo, you got a community group. Now, it'll always be big because you got a network of about 40, 50 people where, you know, if they come half the time, you're going to have a, a sizable group. You need to be thinking about who has the biggest house and who has a basement or who has a, yeah. And if you're, and if you're located close enough to the church and you know, it's all men, you know, you, then you, if it's bigger, we all need to go to men's group. Let's break that up into smaller groups to reach more people because we're in a certain area where now we want to multiply. But if you're in an area where our church, you're far from our church, you're 30 minutes from our church, 40 minutes from our church, then we want to build a long-standing community there with a campus, a video campus, or a church, or something like that. That's our model. That's what you're a part of. So guess what? If you're doing a life group, a community group, or you are participating in church planning, because we fully intend that your life group can go all the way there, okay? I'm gonna say that a lot of times from the pulpit. I'm gonna say that a lot of time in leadership meetings until you get it. It's an introduction to this concept. So you don't have to fully get it, but you have to, you have to understand now you have a little rhythm. We've been talking about this a long time. Why don't you little put, put a little bow on it? Sure, well just to, to say, if you're, if you're wondering if you're new at this, you're thinking, I don't know how to do this. Let me just give you a quick and, and easy, easy way to do it. First of all, that's always there for us, and then we'll get to one that's there for us right now. Real quick and easy, this is from Pastor Steve Merle, comes through, and then, and then Pastor James has said this for a long time and given it to us. This is a format, just a quick and easy format. I think we have a, a slide maybe for it, uh, for how to run a life group. It's easy. You have a warm-up time, and you laugh together, you joke, you have, a, you have a little game or you do a little Christian bingo or whatever it is you want to do that's connected to the content for the night or you pair up or you try to find somebody who has the same, uh, whatever it is. Just a little warm-up time that gets people interacting. 
Then we want you to have the word. Even if that's just 10 minutes, eight minutes, if, even if it's going through a book or, or a study or just a book of the Bible and you're working through it slowly together. But we want you to be in the word in life group. If you're never getting to the word, then we're, that we're wondering if you're a life group, right? The, the disciples said to Jesus, you have the words of life. So we want Jesus' words getting into them. We want the apostles' words getting into them. We want to be discussing them. So, so it's the warm-up. It's the word. Then we get to application. Uh, have, you ever, have you heard the, uh, the old phrase now, uh, life change happens best in small groups? Now, that's from a certain part of the evangelical movement. Some of you know where it is. We don't need to go there. But the, it's a great statement. Often the reason it happens is because we can discuss individually in those smaller groups the way that applies to our life. And you could say, any of you are comfortable, anybody who's comfortable, could you share how God wants you to apply that in your life this week. Who might be willing to share? Somebody, come on now, share. And then you go around just for a few minutes doing that, and then you make sure you leave 10, 15 minutes for prayer. Don't skip it. Don't skip it. Because that's when people can share the burdens of their heart. That's when their weakness can come out. That's when often, often, honestly, in groups I've been in, that's when tears start to flow and people start to gather around one another. They say, these, are, these people are carrying my burdens. These are closer than family. This is exactly what I need. This is a breath of fresh air. So don't skip prayer. You, you fellow, you want to say something there? Yep. And then you go to do this after I do this. Don't. I've been doing a life groups for a long time. So I've done enough of them to know when I've done them wrong. And then I'm right. The first one's wrong. I, I do the life group, but I wouldn't be in agreement with my wife. I would just go, you know, on, on Mondays, meet, meet you on Sunday, invite you to my house on Monday, give you the gate code. You come into the, 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 the we didn't, the count was off. It was just all wrong. Everybody was, you know, LJ used to be there. We just had a new person. No, we had like a new 10 people every time, you know. But now when I got agreement with my wife, that's the kind of, you, we had a community group that was open to everybody. So one of the things that Pastor Dave's gonna tell you is that we want a little bit of an upgrade to our life groups that might make you uncomfortable. We want them to have a higher level of openness to the person who does not have community, who may not be saved, who you may not even want to be in your group. When you get to the point where your brain is going so exclusive that you just, it's my little group. You're not uncomfortable. And the lost don't get an opportunity to be saved. That's the adjustment we're asking you to make. That the people who need to be coming, so that on Sunday morning when they finally come and we're doing the altar call, guess what's gonna happen, ministry team leader? You're going to lead them to the Lord because maybe you couldn't do it on your own. But when we partner together, big church and, and small discipleship group, when we partner together, now the miracle is happening. We're getting them saved. And Dave, what's the statement that our church, our, our leaders have come up with? Sure. This is the number one goal for us this year. We're going to put up number this one. This is our number one goal. Our as whole a staff knows this is our number one goal. I'm putting it in a, in a short phrase here. We want to multiply life groups evangelistically. A little shorter than we gave it to the staff, but it's something that you can memorize easily. We want to multiply life groups evangelistically. Period. Period. If we only do that this year, if that's the only thing we accomplish as a church, we will have moved this church forward significantly. We will have moved the kingdom of God, more importantly, forward. Do you see? 
if we multiply life groups evangelistically, necessarily we're leading people to Christ. Necessarily we're inviting people in who we weren't inviting yes. in before. Necessarily then we're adding to the kingdom of God. Necessarily we're putting them into discipleship groups. And if we're doing it like we're doing it within, in this room, because we care about these things, we relate to people across lines of difference, we have devotion, diversity, and discipleship, all in that one statement happening together. And you can't multiply when you just have one or two more life groups, right? To multiply, we would actually have to at least double the number of life groups we have, or we have not yet multiplied. You follow? Yes, so. We need many more life groups than we have, but the best way to do that is grow the life group you do have, mentor a leader on how to do it. They come alongside you. Maybe they're the, just the one making the food and hosting, and they're saying, hey, lead a prayer. Hey, why don't you lead the word time? Hey, why don't, you, why, don't, why don't you lead the warm-up time? Eventually, they think, hey, I can do this. Now you have enough group of people, and you say, let's split this. You're ready to lead. Uh, let, let's get together once a month, and, and then we'll lead separately once a month. And now we're meeting biweekly, but we're making it work. We figured out till you, you split. You see? But yes. we got to multiply life groups evangelistically or we're not planting churches. Even if we think we are. All we're doing is putting up another show for all the other Christians to come in and say, oh, there's a new flavor in town. We don't need a new flavor in town. We don't need a new show. We need the lost saved. So if our life groups aren't lifeboats, it's the wrong thing. If our life groups aren't lifeboats, we're not doing what we need to be doing. Our life groups need to be lifeboats out there searching for anybody who's out in the water and doesn't go. have a boat to be in. So you see that? So life groups are just lifeboats, so you kind of got to get that. They have to be evangelists. They're going to be multiplying. They're going to be evangelistic and multiplying. So what that look like? They got to be open to the lost. And you have to be discipling the next leader. So if we start with 120 life groups after the life group fair, let's say the number. By the time we get ready for the next round of life groups, if everyone does what we're asking them to do, that's 220. And, or 240, thank you, Pastor Rufi. This is how simple that it is. That's the job we're asking you to do as leaders. We don't want it to become overwhelming. Lastly, I'm so grateful. We're going to introduce something to you. Pastor Dave is right to you. We're, we're grateful that uh, seven months or eight months have you been here now? Seven months. Sure. Eight. eight you're going on. You, you've been seven solid. Holly doesn't know either. She's struggling. It's seven Holly solid. Holly doesn't know. She, she because it feels it longer. It feels longer. Okay. But every step of the way, we told you what was going on as we develop, developed and grew with Pastor Dave. And, and um, he's really been spending time getting to know the congregation. We're just now kind of introducing his leadership gift in a more beyond preaching and, and leading more in the staff and leading more within the, in, the, in the church. And you're going to see that more and more. But one of the gifts he brings, remember, we know him as Pastor Day, but, you know, he, he is, he does as his doctorate in, um, in the practical uh, uh, theology. And in this degree is so perfect for this church and what we want to do. And he's been a preaching coach and, and helps people all over the world with so many things. And we believe that he can help all of us um, have, have confidence. And we did a sermon planning retreat. And one of the items that came out is a sermon series we're getting ready. 
introduce that a little bit, sure. Dave, and get us excited. So this is a great book. Pastor Bryson put this together, did a great job on this. Awesome job. And it has within it the reading plan we've asked you to challenge you to do for reading through the New Testament. So it'll guide you through it February and March. So if you have this book in your hand, then you have the reading plan. But you also have the sermons that we'll be going through for February and March with the listen. So the Reve book of Revelation says, may, the, may those who have ears listen or hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So it's, it's the sermon series is called Listen, and the texts and the topics are in here. You, you, you can use this to start a life group. It says, go through the reading plan, show up on Sunday mornings, take notes, come back to our life group, and we'll just talk about it. You do your warm-up, this becomes your word. You do a little application, this actually tells you where to write your notes for application, the SOAP method of reading scripture. You're ready to go. Piece of cake. All you have to do is be willing to let people gather in a space and you be the one to take the, to, the time to help lead it. So this makes it very easy. Church doesn't make a dime off of it. I think you should, it's important that we say that. This is just at cost, $4 on Amazon. Uh, if you're a life group leader and you're actually leading a life group, we have a number of books down here we'll just hand you until they run out. So if you, I think we have 50 of them down here. So if you're leading a life group, we just want to hand you one before you leave tonight. Um, and if you need more, then you just order more on Amazon. Yes. So there's a, a final thing. Some of you might feel ill-equipped or some of you may have forgotten what to do. It just happens and you need a reminder. So this staff has worked hard to help you know how to start a life group. And we, they put all the training in videos that are helpful to start one, make one, be one. And, and so if you ever forget the principles, if you ever forget you get a life group, go look at one of the 15 minute videos. And so put, my, put our code up here. I think everybody should get this. Um, uh, you can, the text, the, the number of the text, okay. Or code. Just, just shine your phone over that so now you'll have access to the training material if you don't have it, if you don't know what to do. Now you don't have to guess. And we'll, we want you to stick with this. There are a plethora of ways to do a life group. We're not asking you to do them those ways. We're asking you to do something that can be repeatable and it's been proven globally. Yes. This is what our global movement does. Yes. So this is what we're doing as a church. We don't want you to introduce doctrines you haven't heard of here. We, you know what I'm saying? We just don't want you to do it. We want you to be champions of what we're doing together. Remember the scripture. They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to each other. What makes us a family is sticking together. Now, um, we got one last thing uh, to do. What's next? Yeah, I just want to say the, this is this night. So much of it's been put together by a, a very special person. Uh, I do hope you'll take that that quick scan, please, if you haven't done it yet. Even if you have, by the way, done the training and you want to re up on that, it's it doesn't take long to get through it. So just just do that. But Pastor Carol has put so much of it together, and 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 is such a gifted leader, isn't she? A fantastic leader, just really wonderful. Um, and so. One of the things I said to the staff is whenever you have something really, really good, the better it is, the more you grieve when it comes to an end. And that the deeper the grief, the, the, the greater the sign that, that you had something good. So grief isn't wrong. You celebrate and grieve at the same time. 
Uh, Pastor Carol has put in 39 years of faithful pastoral ministry. 39 years. She started when she was five and uh, has just been doing a fantastic job ever since. I mean, who starts ministry at five? It's just amazing. She's the youngest evangelist pastoral minister ever. Uh, but she's been to 39, and not just here, so planting a church, leading a church, uh, and, um, and then moving here and, and leading so well for us in our discipleship ministry systems that will endure. She's decided that the, the season of her ministry time here has come to a close and she needs to shift away from ministry for a season. She's pursuing what that's going to be. It's not set in stone yet, but she's going to keep serving the kingdom in just a different way. I'll just say it that way. She's not done serving the kingdom, but, and she's still going to attend here at Bethel and Pastor Bruce is still going to keep overseeing the equip ministry and that sort of thing. So they're not leaving, but Pastor Carol, would you come up? Please come up. Come on, let's give and, it up and, for Pastor Carol. And, and Lady Lowe. Lady Lowe, I think you had something you want to say. I want to invite you up. I'm going to step aside and let Pastor Debbie and Lady Lowe honor them. Carol. Come on. This is faithfulness. Yes, it is. You want to say something before me? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wow. Pastor Carol, how many years has it been? What what year was that? Twelve years. The year of the... The lady in red. The lady in red, right. When lady when J- in red, remember when that, JJ, Pastor Bruce? When JJ Wayne was there. <laughs> There's okay. no need to. All right. Yeah. yeah just... It was an interesting year. Yes, like we don't want to forget. Remember those days. But uh, I just wanted to get up here and tell you that this woman has been amazing since the day she walked in the building. Her and Pastor Bruce are. Two seasoned men and women that have gone before us, and they too together actually did put into James and I a lot of time, a lot of love, and a lot of support, the both of you. And then in the beginning, Pastor Bruce was, you know, standing by him, but he fell sick for a moment. And y'all, you talking about a, a hero stepped in? Carol stepped in and served alongside James for years. You know, obviously me and Bruce was helping them, right? Behind scenes. If it wasn't for me and Bruce, you guys would have never gotten to where you are. They just looked like they handled it, but it was me and Bruce at home saying, this is what you do. Now let me tell you what you say when you get there. No, but thank you so much for not only that, she has never failed to be a very strong example of a powerful woman, um, bold and yet graceful. That was always somebody I always looked at and said, now that's a hero. Because sometimes women, we want to claim our independence and we want to show it, but sometimes we step out of place. But Carol, you've been the most amazing example of how to take on everything God told you to do. Do it boldly and do it probably better than most but you never stepped out of place in remaining a gracious and graceful woman. That is important because we are never supposed to forget that part. God wants to honor that part of a woman, to be graceful and to be kind and not to be all boisterous and loud. So thank you for always showing us that and thank you for always being my number one partner when it comes to well-balanced woman. Number one partner. She was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And she was always there to serve and push and encourage. And then she was always an example of what it means to stay fit all the way through prime time. I mean, we going to be at prime time one day. Not but she today. takes not, not 
I'm not He's ever getting the same discipleship but group. But listen, after Bruce. she still can outdo us in her prime time. And I'm talking about a total woman. Your home is in place. I love her children are wonderful. She's physically fit. She's just wonderful. You are a wonderful example of a strong woman of God. And I am honored to have had all these years with you. I've learned a lot and I won't forget. So thank you very much. Your next level is going to be amazing, too. It is not over. It is not over at all, but thank you so much. Carol, Carol, before you say something, let me say, number one, is that I want to say publicly, I've, I've, I've fibbed a couple times, and I just got to set the record straight. I've never beat Carol in a race. I have accidentally raced her a few times. Yeah, like where I said, ready, set, go, and then I... I crossed the line ahead of her, but I don't think that counts. And we were on sand, and she didn't know we were racing, but we were. So I just want to say, I've never beat you. But um, there's so many things I can say, but I just think about how much I wanted to always be a part of your life. And I think about God sparing your life and my life, and like the Boston Marathon when the bomb, the bomb happened. And... And I think about that day I walked into the pastor's meeting and you were leading and God said, walk out. She's the lead, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I thought, thought about how few women ever rise to the level and can, can hold their own theologically and as a leader and hold their femininity and, and never um, uh, diminish the masculinity that's around them. That's, that's a gift. Um, she wasn't a weak leader. I mean, we walked in a real way. We challenged one another. Our church is built on challenging one another. It's not built on just yesing one another. The building that we're standing in, you know, you had a lot to do that. You came in the most critical years, you know, um, all of the years, you know, I've been the senior pastor. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all the times you prayed for me when I was yeah. in turmoil. Sometimes it just took care of you, you just, you need deliverance. <laughs> Karen, oh yeah, she used to help me with my kids when they're young. She she was the voice that okay, yeah, you don't want to say that. You want to you know you just need people like that, or go be with them. We got this. Be a parent. You just need people like that in your life. So you're excellent, Carol. We love you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You got the final word. Well, uh, I hope you all know how much I love you. Some of you have been around as long, longer than me, and just what a treasure. What a, I am forever changed by you, wonderful people. And I want to thank Pastor James and Debbie so much. I've grown. I've learned so much. Uh, this has been an amazing season for me. And I'm not quite sure what the next season looks like, but... I was in my desk just this past weekend, and I found a note that Pastor James had given me a prophetic word. Do you remember last July or August? And you were like, God's got a new season for you, and he's going to amplify your voice, out Bethel, but outside of Bethel. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And so... Anyway, we'll see, but I mean, I'm gonna, you'll see me. I'm not gonna like go anywhere, but uh, I love you all dearly. I just, you just, thank you so much for your hearts to serve Jesus. You've made such a difference in so many people's lives and you will be rewarded one day, but I just wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart and say I love you and uh, we'll just see what the future holds. So thank you. <laughs> Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Carol. Come on, one more time, let's give it up for our leader. Awesome. Carol, my wife, come on, JT, you got the last thing. 
Debbie told me something while I was sitting, but I didn't believe her. You said something about singing, and I said, well, Carol can't sing. She said, yes, she can. Carol got a great voice. You want to sing a song out? Do you uh, wanna... No, thanks, but th uh, okay. thank you for that. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> uh, gosh, as we, uh, as we close this, we have a gift for you uh, that nobody has gotten. Pastor James thought it was important that you guys would be first. Staff has not even done this, and usually we go first at everything, but... He wanted you to do this. So what we're going to do is we're going to go, if you want to, into the Future Fellowship Hall, which we're going to call the Global Cafe from now on. Okay. We're going to allow you to go in. We have Sharpies at the Connect Central, and we want you to sign the wall. You can sign a, your favorite scripture, somebody you're praying to get saved, someone that you want to get healed, your family member, whatever you want to put on the wall, we want you to do that. Okay, now I got a video real quick because I know that there can be confusion when we go in there. So I made a video to show you exactly what we're going to do. Do I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just like we did. If you were here when we built the building, there's names all over this concrete. There's names all in front of this altar that was covered by this, this uh, tile from Jerusalem, from Israel. And there's names on this stage. So we're going to just continue that tradition. Okay, Ron, if I could have that video real quick. So we're gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the hallway, to the mallway. You'll see these doors here. Look at the video. You're going to walk through these doors. That's my hand. So you're going to turn to the right. You see that wall, that drywall? That's what we're going to write our names on. Okay, so if you're the first person, please go all the way to the end, make room for people. See, I turn left here, this whole wall. You can write your name anywhere on that wall you want to. And then we're going to exit out the door at the end, which comes right here in this hallway so that we're not, uh, not falling over each other. Does that, does that make sense? We're, I said, we're, yeah, we can write the names of the lost. You can write people that you're... Uh, praying for, for healing, your kids' names, your grandfather's names, your auntie, your great-grandfather, I don't care who, we're, but we're going to put, and then come out, and here we are, okay? And one of the big things when we did that here, many people believe for their loved ones, like I did, to get saved in this building or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and so you can tell somebody that you're going to minister to one day when you bring them to the Global Cafe, say, oh, I thought this moment would come. Yeah. I prayed this moment would come. Yeah. How cool would it be to be sitting with somebody at a table and knowing you wrote their name right there on that wall? So, man, I prayed for you to be right here at this moment. It's a great, it'd, be, it'd make a great story that you could pass down for generations. Amen. So LJ, she's not in here. She's outside. She can hear me. She's going to be at that door. So again, go out the mallway, go to those double doors, walk in. I'll be there as well. Amen. Pastor James, you have the last prayer. Okay, we're going to dismiss in prayer. We'll be back here Sunday. I'll be preaching, and I'll need, uh, I'll need your support. Be praying for me. And next Wednesday, we'll be here service, getting equipped. Bring, bring, a lot of times you can't bring somebody Sunday. You can bring them on Wednesday um, to help them know the Lord. For those of you who need to get a devotional, go ahead. Life Group Leaders, you can come and get a devotion of the Lord, bless us, Amen. keep us. Thank you for our pastor, Carol. Thank you for 39 years of faithful service. Rain or so good times or bad times. Thank you that she stayed faithful. May we live out our discipleship legacy that she's 
the foundation that she's laid. We continue to build on it. Bless us as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Let's go and sign the wall.